Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today we have a crazy story of revenge involving destroying an apartment. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, best friends extorts me, so I get her arrested. I, 25-year-old female, have been a follower of this page for a long time now, and I've read a lot of crazy stories here. Firstly, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who shares their stories here on a daily basis. It's because of you and your courage to share your stories that I'm able to share mine today. This story happened a few years ago, and to date, it remained the scariest and most traumatizing time of my life. Before I get into the story, I have to say one thing. Whoever told you not to trust anyone got it 100% right. You shouldn't trust anyone with anything, especially your secrets or anything that can be used against you. I know people like to hold on to sentiments like, oh, he's my boyfriend or she's my best friend. She can't do anything to hurt me. You're wrong. They can do something to hurt you. And when the chips are down, they probably will. I didn't used to believe this. I thought that anyone I call my friend must think the world of me and would do anything to make me happy. And I used to believe this until I trusted the wrong person. I didn't just trust the wrong person, I invited them into my home and lived with them as roommates. Anyway, let's not jump the gun, I have to start from the beginning. It was one year after college. I was still looking for a job and even though I didn't live at home, I was still receiving support from my parents, so I could keep the apartment I got while in college. It was a two bedroom apartment and my former roommate moved out to work in a family's friend's firm in a different state, so I had the apartment all to myself. During this time, the only thing I had in mind was getting a job as soon as possible. It wasn't cool that I was still being supported by my parents at my age, and I needed to get out of their hair as soon as possible. I finally got an internship offer at a firm, and I accepted it. The offer was good, and if I did well, they'd retain me. As I got to the office on Monday, I found out that I wasn't the only intern they hired. We were six in total, and they were only going to hire three of us at the end of the six-month internship program. I had to work super hard if I was going to get retained, so I made sure to do just that. I was very professional towards my work and friendly towards my coworkers and heads of department. I was a pretty charismatic person, so it was easy for everyone to like me. Besides, I got everyone coffee every morning. I made a lot of friends in the office, and among these friends was Nadia. Nadia was also an intern in the office. She was looking for a job just like me, and she was also putting in the work. She had the best work ethic next to mine, but there were some slight differences between us. She was a nice lady, but she wasn't as characteristic as I was. She was barely noticed in the office. Besides, she came late to work every day. Our head of department complained about her lateness, and at one point he wanted to straight up fire her, but she pleaded with him and he let her off the hook. That same day, I went to the break room for lunch, and while I was eating, she came into the room to grab her lunch. We said hi and she settled down to eat. That was when I asked her why she always came late to work. She said it was because she lived really far away and no matter how early she woke up, she couldn't beat the morning traffic and come to work on time. She couldn't even sleep early, all because the interns closed later than the normal workers and she had to face the same traffic getting home, which meant that she had to go to bed late. 
I asked her why she didn't just move to somewhere closer, and she said she didn't have the money for that. She wasn't getting support from home. The only support she was getting from her family was her aunt's roof over her head. I took pity on her and decided to help. I told her I lived close to work and she could stay with me pending the time she could get a new place and stand on her own two feet. She jumped at the offer and moved into my place the next day. We started to spend a lot of time together and we pretty much bonded over the next two months of our internship. By the end of the internship, we had become so tight and I was really rooting for her to get into the company so we could work together. But sadly, she wasn't retained. Coming late for four months straight didn't help her record. Nadia was devastated. I didn't know how much she wanted to be in the company till she got rejected. She literally broke down in tears and cried in my living room. I had to console her for over 30 minutes, telling her it wasn't the end of the world. But then, to her, it was. She didn't want to have to go back to her aunt's place because she had been emotionally abused for years. All she wanted was to get a job so she could stand on her own two feet. That company was her only hope of doing that. Then I told her she didn't have to go back to her aunt's place. She could stay in my place till she found a job. I thought I was doing a favor. I didn't know I'd come to regret that simple statement. She took me up on my offer, and just like that, we became roommates for an indefinite period of time. I have to say, this mistake was on me. I let someone who I didn't really know into my house, and I expected that there wouldn't be consequences, but then there was. A few months along the line, I was already a full-fledged staff at my workplace, and Nadia was still looking for a new job. One of those days, the company hosted a party where they invited workers from a firm they were consulting with. That was where I met Caleb, my boyfriend. He was one of the accountants of the other firm, and I met him when I went to get a drink from the Champagne Fountain. We talked for a moment till I was distracted by some of my co-workers. When I was alone again, he came to find me, and we talked some more. By the end of the night, he collected my number and we started to text. Eventually, he asked me out and we started dating a month or two later. Nadia was the closest person to me at this point, and I used to tell her everything. I mean everything, from the elegant dates he used to take me on to the vacation preparation he was planning for my paid leave, sometimes even our sex lives. I know it was oversharing at that point, but she was my best friend at the time, and she knew everything. She told me everything going on in her life too, and when Caleb asked to make a tape of us, you know, I told her about it too. I thought it was just between friends sharing crazy stories. I didn't know what Nadia was capable of. A week after I told her about the tape, I received a text from an unknown number. It simply said, your boyfriend wasn't careful with his phone, with a video attached to it. On clicking the video, I received the shock of my life. It was the tape we recorded. The person was asking for a thousand dollars and gave me a deadline of 12 hours or they were going to share the video to my workplace and Caleb's. I called Caleb and told him what was going on. He swore to me that the video didn't leak from his end because he didn't leave his phone anywhere with anyone, but we didn't have the time to figure that out. We sent the money to the person and they said they'd delete the video, but just two days after that, They texted again, this time asking for $5,000. That was just outrageous and I didn't even have that much money with me. Even if Caleb and I contributed, they'd just call again and again and again. We had to find another alternative. We decided to involve the police and they were looking into it, but it was difficult to trace where the texts were coming from. Caleb and I had to pay the $5,000 to buy ourselves time. Even though I didn't receive another text for a few weeks, I was so depressed and it showed. I wasn't eating well. I was growing thin. 
It was really bad, and Nadia was there for me all through this time. Or so I thought. I had to take a sick leave from work to get better, but as soon as I got back, the texts continued. They were asking for another 5000 to be delivered in a week. By this time, I'd emptied my bank account to make the last payment, and I didn't know what to do. Caleb offered to make the payment, but we knew it would never stop. So we visited the police again for leads, but nothing still. But this was when our extorter, aka Nadia, slipped up. Three days after the message was sent, she sent a follow-up with the same video, asking me what my coworkers would do with the video. I was already mentally drained from work and it was just too much for me, so I decided to close early. I got home In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Around 2 p.m. and Nadia was in the shower. I went to her room to say hi and I heard her shower running. I was about to leave when I saw a strange phone on her bed. Nadia had always been using an iPhone and there was an Android phone on the bed. At first, I thought she had someone over but curiosity got the better of me. I picked up the phone, which didn't have a password by the way, and looked at it. There weren't any pictures on the wallpaper and it looked relatively new. Then I clicked on the gallery because I thought I'd see the picture of the guy who owned the phone, but to my shock, the gallery only contained one video, my tape. I looked through the texts and saw my conversation with my blackmailer and everything clicked. Nadia must have airdropped the video to her iPhone when I wasn't looking and used the Android to blackmail me. I dropped the phone and went to the living room like nothing happened, then called Caleb and the police. Nadia and I were hanging out in the living room when they arrived. They searched her room and found the phone and receipt with which she got it. When they had all the evidence they needed, she was arrested. All the money she stole from me and Caleb was taken from her bank account and returned to us. By the end of the day... She didn't have enough money to hire a lawyer for her case. She didn't even try to call her parents or anything. She called me instead, begging me to forgive her. She explained that she was jealous of me because I had everything she wanted. She even went further to say that she wasn't planning to share the video. It was all an empty threat because she needed the money. Eventually, she begged me to forgive her and drop the charges. But I couldn't do that. Not for that two-faced bench called Nadia. She put me through so much over the months and I went through emotional damage because of her. She had to pay for her crime. I pressed charges and she was sent to jail. OP really brings up an interesting discussion here. They're talking about how you really can't trust anyone 
And when you're in a situation where you feel like you have somebody that is so close to you that there's no way you can't trust them and you experience this kind of absolute backstabbing, can you ever really get back to trusting somebody to that degree? I feel like I would might live an incredibly guarded life after that. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy these crazy stories of revenge, it would be amazing if you left a like or left a review if you're listening to my podcast. That said, our next story is The Pain That Didn't Destroy Me. When I got admitted into college, I was so certain I wouldn't get into any romantic relationship. Before you frown, hear me out. I came from a family of geniuses. And I mean my paternal grandfather, aunties, and uncles were the smartest among their peers. And it was like a family inheritance for us to graduate top of our class. That was the family's tradition, until my father changed that course due to some influences, such as getting involved in a steamy romance with a classmate in college. The story had it that instead of being a class genius, he ended up a love genius. Unconsciously, it became a silent family tradition not to pursue love interests in college. When I got into college, I knew better than to allow myself to alter the family's tradition once again. I made a strong resolve to bring the trophy home, because come what may, the legacy must continue. One summer, during my fourth year in college, I was selected to be a part of a discussion centered around STEM and its growing impact. The discussion was going to be aired around the country, and as part of that discussion was a 21-year-old female who was popularly known as Miss R. After the discussion, I became friends with Miss R. Needless to say, I was enthralled by her level of intelligence, intuition, and exposure, and I couldn't deny that there was a budding chemistry between us. You know how they say, once beaten, twice shy? Well, that became my watchword. I was determined to ward off any further interest in this attractive lady. She, on the other hand, encouraged anything other than friendship that was budding between us. We had gotten into a series of intelligent conversations which I found amusing. However, I know I didn't feel anything beyond the amusement, or maybe I didn't allow myself to feel. Miss R, on the other hand, managed to combine intelligence with being sassy. After about three months of maintaining a closely knitted friendship, She told me she could no longer wait for me to pop the question. She minced no words when she told me she wanted something deeper than the superficial friendship we shared. She was in love with me, and she had no intention of keeping it to herself. I couldn't believe it took me one month for me to realize that I was also interested in something beyond the superficial friendship I thought I had to offer. I had been completely swept over by love, and I loved every bit of it. I knew I was breaking the family code, but if falling in love was a crime, I was ready to stake it all. Our lives were like a perfect symphony, and I did not doubt that we were meant for each other. We became inseparable in college, and I often wondered why I didn't meet her earlier. We were so perfect that a lot of people began to use us as reference points. At some point, I had to take her home to meet my parents. They knew that whatever made me break the family code was a real deal. After two years, we graduated college, we changed cities, and there seemed like a little distance between us. That distance, however little, was strong enough to flip the script that I thought we had excellently written over the years. My career led me to a desolate outpost, a distant locale far from the luxuries of the city, but Miss R remained my sole anchor and inspiration. Our conversations echoed through the barren landscapes and we were still in sync regarding the beautiful future we had hoped to build together. But everything changed in one Christmas. 
I couldn't discard the coldness in Miss R's demeanor when I saw her that Christmas. She had ceased to be the chatterbox I'd grown so fond of. I could sense there was trouble in our beautifully orchestrated paradise, but it was difficult to fathom where the trouble lay. I organized dates, picnics, hangouts, adventures she enjoyed, and anything to revive the memories we've built and the love we shared. But all my efforts were merely seen, but not appreciated. After the holidays, I left home again. In my lone times, I remembered our college days and how Miss R became the sunshine I never knew I needed. I couldn't get past the image of her being incredibly giddy and affectionate around me. She was like a burst of sunshine, bringing joy and laughter into every corner of our shared existence. Her laughter was infectious and our eyes sparkled with genuine happiness whenever we were together. Miss R wasn't just a companion, she was my anchor during the turbulent times of academia. She played a significant role in my academic journey, becoming one of my motivations to strive for a first-class degree when challenges threatened to overwhelm me. She was there when I graduated top of my class. She was there when my father shed tears of joy. She was there when I got my first job outside the city. Her belief in my abilities fueled my determination to achieve academic excellence. It was so fascinating to see how much she was there for both of us. She never allowed herself to lag as well, and eventually she graduated as a top engineer too. Thinking about our shared experiences gave me more reasons to fight for our future together, but I was compelled to reflect on my stance when Miss R made it clear that she no longer believed in our future together. She minced no words when she told me there was someone else, and she had moved on. I called her several times to be sure I wasn't making things up in my head. I was dumbstruck. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And confused. I couldn't believe the woman who had motivated me to take a chance on love moved on without me. She left me in a state of profound confusion and heartbreak. It was a surreal and unexpected twist to a story that had been written with shared laughter, challenges, and countless memories. What added to the complexity of my emotions was the fact that Miss R was the one who initiated our relationship by asking me out first. In those initial moments, I had felt a connection, a bond that I believed would withstand the test of time. Little did I know that the same person who had taken the first step in our journey would be the one to alter its course so drastically. Determined to salvage what I could of our relationship, I mustered the courage to reach out to her after learning that she was getting married to a guy she met at work. My attempts, however, were met with a cold and deafening silence. She blatantly told me to stop trying. How could she not allow me to try to save us? Did we never mean a thing to her? It was difficult for me to believe in the fleeting moment of life. At that moment, nothing could explain how the person who had once been my confidant, my partner in crime, and my all-time favorite person was now a chapter in my life that seemed to be closing, leaving me to confront a future that felt uncertain and unfamiliar. But trust me, I remained undeterred. I tried reaching out again through various social media platforms, pouring my heart out in messages that conveyed the depth of my confusion and the pain of watching our shared history crumble. 
I hope that perhaps a conversation could provide clarity, a chance to understand the reasons behind her choices and, if possible, find a way to bridge the growing gap. To my dismay, my efforts were in vain. She had blocked me on all social media platforms. She blocked me without offering any closure. I guess that was the most painful part for me, becoming a stranger to someone who couldn't go a day without speaking to me. I knew I had to stop trying when I got the news that Miss R had married that guy, the very person who had become an unexpected wedge between us. She had moved forward in her life in a way I had never anticipated. Her wedding photos and announcements on social media became the final, bittersweet confirmation of the closing chapter of our story. The digital spaces that had once been a canvas for our shared dream were now adorned with images of a future that no longer included me. I spent so many weeks imagining what was so special about that guy. I tried to stalk his social media platforms, but the more I tried, the less I saw. I was left in the pain of acceptance, mingled with the echoes of a past that could never be resurrected. Indeed, I had to face the harsh reality that the love, which was once so promising, had taken an unforeseen and irreversible turn. I had no other choice other than to accept the painful reality, and also move on with my future. Although the wounds of emotional separation festered, it took the intervention of my father to fetch me out of depression. However, in that moment of pain, when I realized I had no control over what had happened, I made a conscious decision to transform my pain into a powerful driving force, a force that would propel me toward not just professional success, but personal growth and resilience. I dedicated myself to becoming an exceptional engineer, immersing myself in learning, pushing boundaries, and taking on projects that stretched my capabilities. The long hours that could have been spent dwelling on heartache were invested in honing my skills and expanding my knowledge. I turned every ounce of despair into a wellspring of resilience, using the emotional energy to propel me forward rather than hold me back. My commitment to excellence didn't go unnoticed. As I consistently delivered outstanding results, my reputation in the engineering community grew. Doors of opportunity swung open, and I found myself being sought after by prestigious companies and organizations in the United States. The juicy pay that accompanied these sought-after positions became a tangible acknowledgement of the transformation I had undergone. It wasn't just about financial success, it was a testament to my ability to turn adversity into advantage and pain into purpose. There were days I wondered if I needed to go through that heartbreak to experience such tenacity and willpower to succeed. My journey from heartbreak to becoming one of the most sought-after engineers in the United States wasn't just about climbing the career ladder, it was a personal triumph for me. After about two years, Miss R and I had the opportunity to work together on a project. Thankfully for me, I'd been selected as the lead engineer on the project. To be honest, I could see how difficult it was for her to comprehend my professional growth in a span of two years. It was such a hard pill to swallow and she couldn't hide it. I was so proud of myself for overcoming the rejection I thought would be the end of me. I didn't care to spare her any attention and I made it so obvious that I was in a better place emotionally. After the project, I was mandated to recommend some engineers out of the team for some long-term projects with juicy rewards. Even though I had healed, I knew that that was my chance to allow Miss R to understand how it feels not to be chosen. Frank was a mutual friend of Miss R and me, and he couldn't wait to spill to me that Miss R had real hot tears in her eyes when she realized that I didn't shortlist her name. 
I went about my work wistfully for so many months. I knew I was being petty, but sometimes pettiness does the trick. This is what I think realistically should happen after a heartbreaking breakup. You feel like you kind of slink down to the absolute bottom, and I feel like it's just about the most perfect time to just turn around your life and focus on you and working yourself back up to even better than where you were before the relationship. Our next story is, husband's coworker flirts with him, so I destroy her apartment. I, 30-year-old female, have met a lot of people who thought that they could take anything they wanted without consequences. The one I can still remember vividly was in my high school. The leader of the Glee Club, Mandy, is a big example. She's so full of herself that she expected that the entire world should bend to her needs. I wasn't close to her, I wasn't even in Glee Club, but I had a friend Susan who was. I remember all the stories Susan used to tell me about Mandy after making the rest of the Glee Club members rehearse and perform a song that only she liked. She went on to steal one of the Glee members' boyfriends, some lacrosse player named Jake. Anytime I thought of that story and the effect it had in school, I used to wonder how absurd it was. I used to think that Mandy was the worst that humanity had to offer, but I was quickly proven wrong when I met Chloe, one of my husband's co-workers. Long story short, she tried to steal my husband from me. Being me, I taught her a lesson, but before I delve deeper, I need to talk about how it all came to be. We loved each other and we knew that when we started our career journey, we wouldn't have the time to do it. So we decided to just tie the knot as soon as we left college. We both got internships in different fields of work and due to our insane work ethics, we expected that we were going to get retained as soon as the internship was done. The prospects were nice and if it all worked out, we'd be able to start a family as soon as possible. Hank and I had been together since our first year of college. He was the friend of my roommate's boyfriend. We've been going strong since then. He was different from every other guy I've dated. He cared about me and my hopes and dreams and he pushed me till I achieved every one of them. That one time I told him that I wanted to graduate as one of the top students in the class was one of the moments I regretted in my entire time in school because Hank took it as his responsibility to make sure I studied. He had my course schedule with him and made sure I attended every class. I was a naturally lazy person, and even though I'm really smart, I don't put nearly enough effort into anything I want to do, and because of that, I always end up with mediocre results. But when Hank stepped in, it was something else. We fought a lot because I wouldn't want to go to class and he'd come over to drive me there himself. One time I didn't want to open the door for him so he got a key for my roommate Ashley and practically kidnapped me and drove me to school. It was tough, but by the time I graduated, it was all worth it. I was top three in my class. Anyways, we were killing it in our internships, but Hank's own was a bit tougher than mine. That was because he was competing with some of the best students from different prominent colleges. I think he said some of them were even Ivy League. By the end of the internship, I got the job, but Hank didn't. It was so bad that he fell into some kind of depression, which got worse by the day. While I went to work, Hank stayed home, job hunting. It took months before he could get an offer, but before then, it was rejection after rejection. Eventually, he got the offer after months of searching. I was really worried the day after he went for the interview because I knew that if he didn't get it this time, it would be disastrous. But thank God he did. We celebrated that night because all was right in the world again. Or so I thought. It took us over two years of working and saving before we decided that we were ready to start trying for children. We'd been married for over four years by this time. 
I got pregnant and had twins. By this time I had to take a leave from work to take care of them, but the three months I was given wasn't enough to take care of my newborns. So I had to negotiate with my boss to give me a work from home plan. They agreed and I turned remote till I could return to work. One day, Hank got back from work and invited me to a party in his office. The firm had closed a major deal and they were celebrating. My mom lived close, so he dropped off the kids with her and went to the party. I was in a good mood till I got to the party. As soon as we got to the hall, some lady walked up to us, all smiles. She was looking at Hank in a really weird way and I knew something was up. As soon as she got close enough, Hank introduced us. Her name was Chloe and she worked in his department. She was an intern the previous year and she worked under him. When Hank introduced me as his wife, the look on her face changed. She looked me over and grumbled a greeting. She had two drinks in her hands and she gave one to Hank. She said she didn't know he was bringing someone. Yes, she referred to me as someone. Hank told her that the invite clearly said that they could bring a plus one. There was a moment of awkwardness when Hank left to get me a drink. I pretended to be looking around, but I could see that she was checking me out. By the time Hank got back, I asked if Chloe was married, to which she laughed and said no. I asked why, and she said she was waiting for the right person. Here's the crazy part. She said that while looking straight into Hank's eyes. I was so upset, but I didn't want to cause a scene, so I excused myself from the hall and went to the restroom. I didn't come out for over 20 minutes. When we got back home, I confronted Hank. I asked him if he'd been cheating on me with Chloe. He laughed at first when he thought I was joking. When he realized that I was serious, he told me he wasn't and that they were just friends. He was her senior in the company. And owing to the fact that she worked under him as an intern, they had developed some type of closeness. I could tell that he wasn't lying, but that didn't mean the threat wasn't real. That's the thing with men. Sometimes they can be pretty oblivious about things, especially Hank. We were friends before we started dating, but I liked him and I could tell that he liked me too. I tried to get him to ask me out. I gave him all the signals there were to give a guy, but he still wouldn't do the needful. I literally had to spell it out for him before he finally asked me out, so I wasn't shocked when he didn't see what was going on with Chloe. I decided to give it a rest since I trusted Hank. I knew that if he got too far, he'd stop it, or at least that's what I thought. One night when Hank got home, I was about to order Chinese when he told me not to worry because he'd already gotten something to eat. I asked him where, and he said Chloe got pizza. They were working late on a project and she decided to buy him dinner. I was enraged. I yelled at Hank for accepting food from her, but he didn't see what was wrong with it, which pissed me off even further. We fought for an entire week before he decided to apologize. He promised not to accept food from her again, and I said okay. But still, that was not the end. Chloe decided to kick her game up a notch. She didn't come with her car to work one day because, for some reason, it was at the auto body shop that day. And instead of her to order a ride or something, she decided to ask my husband to help her home. Hank, being the oblivious person he was, actually helped her home. How do I know all this? Well, because he told me. He usually tells me everything. And I'm lucky that he didn't know which part was good or bad or else he might have cut out a few details. I asked him where she lived and he told me without hesitation. That was when I started to formulate my plan. When he'd gone to work, I'd take the kids on a stroll and I'd walk past her house to see how the neighborhood was. At night, I'd drop the kids off with my mom and stake out at her place. It was an apartment building and I had to know where she lived. 
I finally figured it out when she got back from work one night and I wore a nose mask and face cap following her closely behind. Once I figured it out, I moved to the next phase of my plan. I went to her place one day when I was sure that she'd be at work and I broke in. I looked up how to pick a lock on YouTube. Once I was in, I went into her closet and gathered all her clothes, especially the ones that looked expensive. I grabbed her designer bags and shoes and gathered them in a pile. Next, I took the batteries out of the fire alarm and set the clothes on fire. I put out the fire before it got too out of control, but made sure it was properly destroyed. Then I moved on to completely trashing her kitchen in her living room. I tore up her bed and broke all her vases and dishes. When I was done, I decided to leave a cryptic message just for fun. I wrote, I'm watching you, on a piece of paper and set it on the kitchen island. That'll keep her on her toes. Then I left through the fire escape, making sure I wasn't seen by anyone. The next day when Hank got home, he told me about how paranoid Chloe had gotten since she'd got to her apartment and saw that it was completely trashed. She had to leave and stay in a hotel till she could find a solution to the break-in. I decided to kick it up a notch a little. While Hank was sleeping, I took Chloe's number from his cell phone and got a new phone just to mess with her, telling her that getting a room in a hotel wouldn't protect her from me and that I was coming for her. Chloe's paranoia turned into hysteria in a matter of hours. That same day, she applied for a leave from work and left before it even got approved. She stopped talking to Hank because she got all paranoid and didn't know who was targeting her. She disconnected from everyone and went to God knows where. I didn't care. As long as I had my husband all to myself, I was good. I was going to ask if anybody thought OP went off the deep end here, but I think the better question is... Does anybody think OP did not go off the deep end here? Because it's pretty clear, even when their husband is being utterly transparent about what's going on and isn't acting on any of these things, that OP went way too far with this. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.